Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here at William Hill, you'll find pre-game and in-play cricket odds on loads of competitions. From test matches to one-day internationals, T20s and domestic cricket, we've got everything covered. Visit williamhill.com 18+. Please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Season 4 of Middlepiece Umpire is sponsored by Step 1. Hello, welcome to Middle Please Umpire. My name is Miles Jupp and I'm joined as ever by 96.3 mile an hour World Cup winning, Ashes winning, uh, Mark Wood. Hello, Mark. Hello, hello. How are you? Hello, hello. It's, it's good, good to, to see, see you. What is that? What's that the tune from? Mr. Tumble. Mr. Tumble, yes. Oh, yes. Just I- had it on. Have you? We just had it on before, yeah. Well, it's good, isn't it? If your family, if your family out, it's a bit. It's nice for you to have a me time, Mark. I think. <laughs> I tell you what, I have been doing actually sock roulette at the top of the stairs. We've, we've had some washing, and Sarah never puts the sort of socks together on the thing. They're just scattered everywhere. So it's like one of their mix and match games where you've got to get them right. I always pride myself if I if I get one hundred percent. I must say. I've got a sort of slight compulsion. I get kind of amazed that you wouldn't automatically pair them as you're taking them out, and when you see them dried, you're going. There's unpaired socks, you know. You put, you've mm. got to put them. In. Uh, but then, you know, presumably, I've got some sort of symptom of some sort of crisis. I, I hear that you've had some sort of microwave excitement this morning. Uh, you, uh, yeah, Woody. Woody rang me earlier, and at the moment he rang me, my wife had forgotten that thing about not putting anything metal in the microwave, and she'd put in to warm up some tea. It wasn't, it wasn't like a metal bowl, but it was a, a cup that has kind of it must have some sort of metallic paint on the side. And what was her reaction? I, well, I was worried. I'm quite, I'm quite a sort of cautious person. But my brother and I once put a plate in a microwave, much bigger plate that had a metal edge. And even now, I can see that sort of ring of fire. Like worried, like losing the toss and being put in on a green top. That kind of worried. Or? If yeah, that's kind of uh, like as worried as you'd be if suddenly the screamer black and say we interrupt this uh, episode of. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Tumble, and you'd be like, "Oh no, oh no! I don't care what's happened. It would be that. It would be that sort of worry, like a real, real crisis." The excitement this week for me is I've had a nose infection, so I've had a nose that 
look like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I thought that maybe, you know, if Rudolph needed a bit of a break come the winter months, if I kept it up, I, I might get a gig. Yeah, you don't. Would you rather be doing that over the winter months than um, playing cricket in a nice hot country? Oh, uh, actually, when you put it like that, yeah, I think I think on some on some on some bouncy wickets. Yeah, on reflection, yeah, you're right. I'd probably be rather playing the cricket. I must admit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let let idiots like me dress up over the Christmas period. For... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that <laughs> I think that's the way to do it. Uh, how is your uh, elbow, Mark? That's the reason that you're not currently steaming in for England. I had um, an intervention just to get rid of some swelling in my elbow. Is that a medical intervention, or is that some friends of yours coming around saying, "Mark, we're worried about, <laughs> we're really worried about the way about the relationship between you and your elbow"? That's <laughs> no, a med- medical intervention to um, set it right. So it's just been. I was hoping to be playing now, so it's just real frustrating. But um, I'll get there. It's just. It's the hierarchy keep telling me in the physio department in England, elbows are notoriously unpredictable and it can be a bit linger around after surgery and stuff. But um I will I will get it right. It's just uh just gonna take longer than I than I'd hoped. Because once everyone's fit, Mark, or maybe there will never be a time when everyone's fit, but suddenly then you think if you look at the list of people who are injured and then imagine them not injured, then you think, God, what great what great you know depth. What, what depth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a sort of Commercial fishing lake uh, filled with fast pool. bowlers. Pool of fast bowling. Wonderful pool of fast bowling. Um, well, I, I wish you. Uh, well, I wish your recovery was speedy. But even if it's a slow recovery, take you know, take take as long as you need for heaven's sake. Um, do you want to know what I've been up to? No, um, no. No, fine. Uh, now I think it's time that we had a look at the mailbag. Well, if you'd said yes, I'd then have had to have a sort of you know, and then have a think. So I think it's best best avoided. Um, do you want to have a look at the mailbag, Mark? Oh, do I? Do we? <laughs> God, I bet when you're slightly cross, you're really difficult. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, unusual grounds. This is from Sanjay Patel. Uh, following Woody's mention of unusual grounds, specifically one with a road running through the outfield, I wanted to offer an interesting state of affairs at my local ground at Mill Hill Park in North London. We all know of Canterbury, the famous tree residing in the outfield. Mill Hill has not one, but three fully grown mature trees that could undoubtedly come into play. They're located around deep cover, long on, and one at deep mid-wicket. And their large stature would serve as rather effective giant fielders. He's uh, actually, you could put these on the, Nathan could put these on the, on the socials, as they say. Um, gosh, they are proper mature trees. That is, that should be a category of unusual grounds. Basically... Any uh, natural or indeed man-made features that make a cricket ground essentially unusable, uh, we'd be uh, delighted. There's a where I play. Do you, re- do you reckon they get their bats from there? Yeah. Do you in the winter, they chop them down, get their get their team bats from there, and then by the next, yeah, the the. Can you tell what sort of trees they are by looking at them, Mark? You're exactly the sort of person that could do that sort of thing. Um, okay, that's excellent. Thing. Yeah, so thank you, Sanjay. Let's have... Um... I definitely got the vibe that the one at Long On was Willow. I definitely got that vibe from the way you read it. Yeah, but the thing is, it's obviously... It's only at Long On... Presumably, sometimes it's at Long On and sometimes it's at Third Man. Because unless, unless, unless the trees change ends after each over, which seems <laughs> seems like it would involve a lot of people from the council being involved. Um, oh, so if you hit the tree, it's a four, isn't it? I don't know. I thought people at Canterbury could be... In the old days, people could be caught off the tree. You could be... Or am I? I might. Well, I, I might you be. You hit the tree, even if it was on the full. It was four. Maybe we need to brush on the rules. I feel like this is super rubber. All over if you're, again. if you're an, um, if you're an umpire, or indeed you know what you're talking about, please 
uh, please write in, let us know. Uh, next up, we've got Cricketers and Music Shops. This is Charlie Bell. Uh, dear Miles and Mark, I'm so glad you've widened the remit of Cricketers at Petrol Stations theme, as it means I can share a historic sighting of a fast bowling legend. Uh, I need to take you back to the mid-1990s in East Lancashire. Around the age of 10, I developed an all-consuming passion for cricket, much to the bemusement of my parents who had no interest in cricket and were confused as to why their daughter now spent five days at a time glued to the TV coverage of test matches with TMS on in the background and why I kept asking my mum to knit me a cricket sweater. Despite being proud Lancastrians, my parents and I would often visit the nearby Yorkshire market town of Skipton. One of the regular destinations during these trips was a music and instrument shop called Time and Tune. Standing in the shop, I was jolted out of my usual cricket-based daydream by a sighting of what was surely the most recognisable eyebrows in cricket. Standing opposite me in time and tune were none other than Frederick Seward's Truman himself. In excited whispers, I somehow managed to convey to my mum the significance of this moment, and, somewhat baffled, she rummaged in her handbag to find me a scrap of paper and pen. Armed with these, I approached and inquired of the owner of the eyebrows whether he was, in fact, Mr Truman. Although obviously slightly taken aback to be accosted by a chubby 11-year-old girl in a classical music shop, Mr Truman confirmed his identity and graciously agreed to sign a personalised autograph for me, telling me he was purchasing a clarinet for his granddaughter. Despite his grouchy reputation, he was absolutely lovely. I still have his autograph and he remains my second favourite fast bowler of all time. After... Mark, of course. Uh, if you do read this out, please give a shout out to our friend Tom, who is also a regular listener, gravy fan, <laughs> and fellow cricket badger. That is a delightful meeting. That is an unexpected. That's a very unexpected place to meet FST. Uh, and all, we're always, always pleased to hear from uh, gravy fans uh, who make Mark feel less alone. Uh, okay, let's do. Actually, now everybody loves gravy. Maybe, maybe I'm asking too many people to write in there. Uh, cricket novice, uh, thank you very much indeed for writing in, Charlie. Uh, cricket novice tale. This is Ben Adams. Uh, a few years back, I was invited uh, with my business partner Michael to take part in a property industry friendly match. Novice is welcome, said the invite. And Michael, as a native of Florida, is the very definition of a novice whose cricketing experience extends to a single drunken day at Lords. It was soon Michael's turn to bat, and he was helped into a front pad and trudged out of the wicket. Standing in a baseball stance with horizontal bat waving, imagine my surprise when the opposition opening bowler <laughs> turned out to be England legend Chris Tremlett. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Michael had no idea who he was, of course. He wafted it at the first two balls, edged the third through the slips, and was castled by the fourth. The day was not lost, however, as Michael was totally smitten by Tremlett and spent the rest of the day following him around the outfield in the pavilion in the hope of getting his phone number. A good time was had by all, and Michael is a cricket convert. Not entirely sure about his motives, but a new fan nonetheless. That is, I think it's better to not know, to not be overawed. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, it's, obviously, you need someone but to... But you would be overawed by Tremlett. He's massive. Well, especially these days, if he's in his kind of, you know, sort of the bodybuilding phase... Um, mm. This is uh, uh, from Martin Phillips about a debut. Uh, after moving to Leicestershire in 2016, I mustered up the courage to join a local village cricket club in order to meet new friends. I was quickly dropped in Leicestershire. La la la. Sorry. Is that um, a syndrome you have? What is? Is that the Leicestershire team song? That's what they sing, don't they? La la la. No, who who is it? who? Which county was it again? Leicestershire. La la la. <laughs> Leicestershire. 
La la la. Oh, I see. It does. I wonder, I wonder how long you could keep that enthusiasm up for. Um, uh, or it's a new, it's sort of uh, just an automatic response that you make. I, I might test you during the rest of the mailbag. Um, I was quickly drafted into the third eleven, despite severely downplaying my cricketing ability, having not actually played since primary school quick cricket twenty years prior. I turned up at the ground on the day of the game. I had asked her, "Do you remember where the ground was, Mark? It was in Leicestershire." La la la. <laughs> I, I had asked to attend some net sessions in order to acquaint myself with facing a hard red adults cricket ball as opposed to the orange wind ball of primary school but apparently the thirds don't do nets the local ground was a field with cars parked around the edge of the boundary a little too close for comfort I'd recently bought a new car and was still getting used to driving it with parking being a particular challenge for me I carefully drove over the grass to where the cars were parked on the edge of the field and reversed back neatly alongside another car as I got in line, I heard a sickening crunching noise and felt something bump under my wheels that I clearly hadn't seen in my mirrors. It was one of the opposition players' cricket bag full of equipment. He'd obviously just got it out of his car and momentarily turned to close his boot, only for me to run over his coffin. <laughs> oh, no. I jumped out and helped him retrieve his flattened belongings from under my car while apologising <laughs> profusely. He took it remarkably well, <laughs> although I did notice the opposition players pointing me out to others throughout the day. <laughs> Gosh, that would put you at ease. I was absolutely mortified, and this didn't put me in the best mindset for my debut, in which I dropped a dolly of a catch and was out for a two-ball score of two. I never played for the village team again. Oh, no, that is brutal. That is brutal. Never go back, ladies and gentlemen. Never go back. Great story. That though. is a story all the way from uh, from Leicestershire. La la la. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are, of course, always uh, up for mail uh, on the subject of unusual grounds now, particularly uh, natural or indeed man-made features that make um, the uh, playing area uh, quirky. Uh, that's a very long description of something. Uh, cricketers spotted in every everyday places. We've really broadened this out now. Uh, unu- like the time I spotted Robert Croft uh, uh, wandering through the streets of Edinburgh. Um, uh, or uh, Mike Brearley I spotted once in a shopping centre in Edinburgh that has now since been demolished. Uh, unusual injuries. Uh, cricketers as WWE wrestlers. What would their names be? Uh, someone must be able to come up with a wrestling name for Tremlett, for instance. Uh, any umpiring incidents or worst games um, that you've played in, please. Help us to monetize your embarrassment. Hi, it's David Gower here. Uh, yes, it's me. Look, it's it's slightly embarrassing, but look, Mark and Miles, they've they've forgotten the email address again. So look, if you've got any cricketing tales, stories, whatever it might be, you want to send to them, please email them at middleplease at hotmail.com. Um, and if that's too much, well, try Twitter or Instagram. Thank you very much, everyone, for writing in. We've got a guest on the show today, Mark, and I think uh, you are going to be able to uh, work out who it is. Do you remember that time? You and I, we we were walking together in the... It was in the rain. It was autumn, I think, at that point when the, the leaves had turned, but they weren't yet falling from the trees. And you went sort of unexpectedly quiet. And I said to you, Mark, why have you gone so quiet? And you said to me, yesterday you asked me something I thought you knew, so I told you with a smile, it's all about you. Then you whispered in my ear and you told me to, said, you make my life worthwhile, it's all about you. And I thought, Mark has, he's absolutely lost it here. Uh, But it turned out you were quoting uh, a song uh, by the band McFly. Uh, Who is the best cricketer in the band McFly, Mark? Leicestershire, la la la. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, we're going to need a medic. 
Okay, and while the medic is attending to Mark, I let me answer my own question. It's Harry Judd. Middle Please Umpire is proud to be sponsored by Step One Underwear, the UK's choice for comfortable, breathable and no-chafe boxers. Step One believes great achievements start with getting the basics right. So delivering maximum comfort while you're compiling your century or coming in for your third spell of the day is all important. Step One stylish boxers are worn by elite cricketers and sports people the world over. But why do they wear them? Well, they completely eliminate chafing with their ultra-glide panels, which prevent your thighs from rubbing together. So get rid of the baby powders, lotions, or whatever other remedy you use. They have got your thighs covered. Not only that, they're ethically made, sourced from sustainably grown organic bamboo, making them super soft, antibacterial, and breathable, keeping your, and I can't believe I'm saying this, meat and two veg dry all day, whether you're on the pitch or going about your other everyday shenanigans. It's not just gentlemen who get to enjoy the comfort of Step 1, they have a women's boxer range as well. Step 1 are so confident that you'll love them that there's a 30-day money-back guarantee on your first purchase. If you don't like your first pair, for whatever reason, they will give you a full refund and you get to keep the pants. So you can try them out completely risk-free. Best of all, for a limited time, listeners of Middle Please Umpire, that's you, can get a whopping 30% off the entire range. Just head to step1.life and enter the code MP30 at checkout. See what the fuss is all about and make Step 1 an essential part of your daily chafe and sweat-free living. Step 1. Get some. William Hill's Safer Gambling Tools helps you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Welcome to Middle Please Umpire. Harry Judd, hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, you are wearing, I should say for the benefit of the listeners, you are wearing, that is, uh, is that the T20 strip? Is it, Woody? It's the yeah. T20 top, yeah. T20, there we, there we go. Uh, and that's a few years ago, isn't it? Because it's got the name of a bank that has recently closed its branch in the town where I live. Um, so that's it's so so important to keep the name alive, though. Miles, you've got the matching hat on. I feel like I'm royally missing out here. I'm the only one without any kit on. This is well, no, you don't, you don't have sporting kit on, Mark. You are you are wearing you're clothed. This is possibly the kit that we were at the kit launch together, weren't we, Woody? We were, that's right, yeah. The, uh, is it all right to call you Woody? Absolutely. I was at this charity cricket game a couple of days ago and I was to explain to people it's quite awkward when you're on the on the pitch and you've got, you know, Root, Stokes, Cook. And I was wicketkeeper and I was like saying to Swan, I was like, what, what do you, is it all right to call them Cookie and Stokesy or <laughs> do I have to call him Ben or is it Sir Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you don't want to be too familiar, do you know what I mean? So what did you go with in the end? I I just sort of went, so, so, so. <laughs> just sort of, you know. What, whatever your name is, the man at mid off. Could you come? Could you come in a bit? Yeah. Just add an e, add a y to everyone's surname, and that's that should do it. How how was the match? It was great. Yeah, it was amazing. It was the Ruth Strauss Foundation. So Sir Andrew organised it, and it was Sir Andrew Strauss eleven supposedly against the, uh, Team Sheeran, but Ed Sheeran um, didn't show up for the cricket, so it was uh, Sir Alistair stepped in but Ed Sheeran kindly turned up for the evening which was absolutely amazing you had Michael McIntyre did some stand-up Ed Sheeran did about a 40 minute set and then wow yeah the cricket we had both Root and Stokes were there Cook was there Strauss obviously uh Collingwood Bell Triscothic Bell is the first name you've said there that hasn't captained England is it well there was also Ian Ward Ian Ward at third man he was stuck down at third man um and there was Michael McIntyre 
Did he play, Michael? Michael played Bear Grylls, Damien Lewis. Wow. I've played with Damien Lewis. He's he's seriously good, I think. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Yeah, Jason Robinson, obviously the England fullback was there. Anybody surprise you, Harry? Anyone anyone good? Um, Bear Grylls and Damien Lewis were de- were pretty decent. They were good seam bowlers. Good seam bowlers. And actually, Michael McIntyre was very proud with his 17. He got 17 runs, so he was very... Proud. That's not at all bad, because he'll have faced someone terrifying in there, presumably. He'll have skipped between the wickets, surely. Yeah. <laughs> his step count must be extraordinary. The, <laughs> the bowling is never... Like, the pros or the ex-pros, they never really kind of obviously never really try their, their hardest with the bowling. So the bowling's quite laid back. And to be honest, there was... You know, Stokes was obviously there, but he was just bowling off spin. Collingwood was keeping... And apart from that, there weren't really any bowlers. So, oh, Swan, obviously. Swan was came on to bowl when Strauss came out to bat. He was very keen to try and get Strauss out. <laughs> and was reminding everyone that Strauss has never scored a run off him. Uh, and I was keeping wicket. So that was quite a moment for me. Keeping wicket to, to Swan and Strauss coming down the track. And I was thinking, please hit it, Strauss. Please hit it. Did he Did he get through his full ball and all that? Or did he go off with an elbow injury? Oh! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, we were playing 100, so he only had to get through five deliveries. So. No, I'm not sure you're allowed to slag off someone who's won the Ashes in Australia, Mark. I'm really, I'm really not sure. <laughs> I'm really not sure that's acceptable. And the man that's currently out with an elbow injury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You're absolutely double. You, you've double parked yourself there. But also, if you're, if you're a normal person, someone like Graham Swan is actually like their pace surprises you before they've even before the things even pitched. I mean, someone like a pro- proper spinner like that, you think, hang on a minute, this is this is like a sort of, he'd be a sort of club medium fast anyway before he's and he's doing that off three or four paces. Yeah, and the thing as well that you notice as well is the is the dip. You know, as soon as it comes out, it just sort of dips down beautifully. That's the thing that's really, that's really different for, for an amateur like myself. So yeah, it was a lot of fun to, a lot of fun to watch. I played in a game, I think you played in it, those sort of um, TMS T20 games in somewhere in Leeds. Yes. And I was on a team with... Um, Swan and Tufnell were in my team. Was that the one where Swan got out, he got a golden duck, he got a diamond duck first ball of the game? Yeah, yeah. He, I said to him, if you're fielding, where can you field where the ball never comes? And he says, on the 45 or at mid-off, it never comes to you. And then he opened the batting and the first thing he did was hit the ball to mid-off, uh, <laughs> which, where it was caught by Ed Smith. Yes. Uh, pre, pre his selector days. And from that moment, I thought, right, if the one, I've asked a professional where the ball won't go. And he himself doesn't seem to have any sort of handle on that. And I, I was, t- I spent the whole. I've never hidden so hard the whole of a game. <laughs> I find fielding more nerve wracking than batting in cricket. I was playing some club cricket last um, summer, and I genuinely was more nervous fielding, just because it's it's just so intense that the yeah. thought of dropping a catch at a serious moment, yeah, terrifying. Well, a great thing about batting, I think, and this is not the sort of atmosphere I want, attitude I want you carrying into the uh, into the England dressing room, Mark, but the great thing about batting is if it's not going very badly, it finishes quickly. Whereas, like, fielding yes. could be disastrous for, well, 90 overs if you're a grown-up. And it follows you for some strange reason. Why does that happen? You miss field, and then the next 10 overs, the ball seems to come to you all the time. Yeah, it's awful. It's a nightmare. You know, the, the last Test match, there was a really young lad from Essex came on the pitch when someone went off. I think Jimmy Anderson went off. And I was thinking, I mean, how old is that guy, Mark? Is he, what, 17, 18? Yeah, late teens, yeah. Can you imagine how terrifying that must have been for him? <laughs> no, I know. Um, anyway, yes, where did my cricket start? Well, um, it started, I think, you know, on the beach, probably at the age of four or five with, with my brother and dad. And then my first sort of memories of playing a match would have been when I was about seven or eight. Yeah, I think really about eight years old, I really 
got into it and, and came, you know, quite obsessed with the game. And so, what year is that then? Who are the who? What's the, what's the England team looking like when you're when you're eight or nine? The England team. Well, it was the nineties. We're talking Atherton, Gooch, uh, Gatting, Graham Hick. Graham Thorpe, Alex Stewart, you know, Phil DeFreitas, Phil Tufnell. Yeah, this is this is my my sort of era. That would be the team. Yeah, Nin- 91 was my first thing. And so those were the people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd say 90, well, the 94, 95 Ashes series was the first series that I got really hooked on. I mean, me and my brother had the VHS and we, I mean, we pretty much knew the, the commentary. I've got that VHS, yeah, where it's got that Tufnell catch down at Fine Leg and the commentator. Tufnell takes number. Tufnell, Tufnell, Tufnell! It's amazing because that's the game we won. We had two players that had come in from like a club game, didn't we? Like Headley was playing club cricket there. I don't think he'd been originally in the squad. I might be doing him a disservice yeah, there. Yeah. Somebody came came in and took wickets, you know. And Defreitas scored eight. Did Defreitas score eighty eight or something? Defreitas with his Kookaburra Ridge back scored eighty odd. You, um, Angus Fraser took some wickets. Mark Waugh took five for forty in that match. A terrifying yes. statistic. Yeah, I know. He bowling bowling seam up, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was, you know, that was the glory days for me. Me and my brother used to just watch that over and over again. Well, that one test you'd win a series was so exciting. So exciting. We'd I win mean, one test a series always, and it was amazing. Yeah, and even though you knew we didn't win, there was still the stat, because there was another test where it was quite close. I think we drew a match as well. And Well, it, it didn't. It, Goff had taken, was that Goff? Goff took a load of wickets, and then the rain came down or something, and they, or light or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it kind of went golf, I think, really broke onto the scene. And, and yeah, it was... And Devin Malcolm, of course, was in the bowling attack. It was, yeah, exciting times. Steve Rhodes behind the stumps for a couple of games. So, yeah, it's kind of... 90s cricket feels quite vintage now. Um, and, yeah, so then I, I kind of followed the game there and went on to play, you know, at my school. And then senior school I played. I played a bit of, like, minor county cricket. And then, yeah, my school was, was pretty good and played, a, you know, the first 11 and... Just yeah, it was pretty pretty much obsessed throughout my teenage years. And is it are you in the in the band? Are they also into cricket? Are you a sort of alone? Is it a lonely crusade? It's a very very lonely crusade. <laughs> so they just threw balls at you for hours, did they? And you were just knocking off, getting ready to go. <laughs> yeah, they're quite good at serving up some some half volleys on the throwdowns. I've taught them well. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, they they just look blankly at me uh, when I talk about cricket. I mean, I've tried. You know, I tried to show them some highlights and things and. Tom, but one of the band, actually, his boys, he's got two boys that he told me the other day they started cricket and they were actually watching the test match the other day. I saw him put it up on his Instagram stories. They were watching the test match and they were telling him what was going on in the cricket and they were saying, Daddy, they, England need 30 more runs. And he was just like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about, boys. But If that was their first test, that would be a good test to start with, wouldn't it, in terms of getting you very, into it, like a yes. proper test. Had it not, it wasn't like Edgebaston 05, but it had that kind of thing when it went... You think, oh, well, we're losing. Oh, they're losing. Oh, you know, it was proper, you know, lunatic on the end of a rope stuff. Yeah, well, I think considering the way kind of, obviously, we've had a bad run of, of test matches, it was very exciting as a, as a fan to watch because it did feel like, oh, here we go again, you know. And, and then that target we had to chase, it felt pretty unachievable, to be honest, you know. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, I mean, not an anti-climax by any means, but it was actually quite a comfortable win in the end. But yeah, it was an amazing test match. And uh I thoroughly. Well, I was actually at home with my three children. My wife was ill in bed, and I was on my own. And I was basically walking around with my phone with Skygo on in the park in the soft play. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> doing their doing their bath time. There ought to be a thing whereby, like in soft players or whatever, you like 
you know, like men of a certain age wear red trousers to signal to other red men what their politics are. <laughs> there ought to be a thing where like people that like cricket should wear like a you know a hat like this or or yeah. a, some sort of badge. And you're in the soft play like oh there's someone over there. We've all got whiskey hangovers, but at least we can talk cricket or whatever whilst they're you know in an incredibly hot room or whatever. Yeah, they spotted me. They spotted me and they were like, oh, that guy's got it sorted. He's got it absolutely nailed. <laughs> Harry was good, you know, Miles. When I when I when I, we talked about the kit launch before, he was good. His technique was good and stuff. Well, I remember when when we played our game, your proper proper player. Yeah, well, it, you know, they're quite intimidating. Those sort of um, what would you call them? Like pro pro celebs, they used to be called in the seventies or eighties. I get too frightened. Well, yeah, no. I, well, I played a lot growing up, and I think it's been interesting because you know, apart from you know Bear Grylls and Damien Lewis, like I said, it's rare that. You find a musician or an actor over the years that I played in these games that can actually hold a bat. So <laughs> the fact that I, the fact, it's really interesting, like you would have thought, because there's a lot of like, you know, musicians, actors that can play football, really good footballers, but there is pretty, it's pretty scarce the the cricketing abilities of of uh, people in in music and and yeah, acting. So the fact that I can play a bit, you do get a bit of bit of kudos, which is good, but it also adds a bit of pressure because I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I to be honest with you, I don't want to sound like you know above my station here at all, but I would prefer it if the pros, not necessarily bowled full pelt, but you know came in and, and bowled properly because when they're coming in and bowling little off spinners, and you know I like to open the batting and have a bit of pace on the ball. I'm a bit of a nerdler, you know. I so I prefer it when they kind of come in and bowl properly, um, and also it's an experience, it's a challenge. I, you know, I played in a charity game when I was about. 20 maybe you know very early days in my career and it was the ian botham 11 versus um i can't remember it was maybe the richards 11 it was wow you know very exciting day yeah it was amazing and and darren goff came was bowling you know opened the batting with devon malcolm who i managed to run out quite quickly which is very embarrassing um <laughs> yeah it's totally surreal for me because you know 10 years ago i'm i'm sat at home watching on tv and then i'm there standing in the middle going oh, i'm very sorry Mr. Malcolm, you know, for running you out. And did he say, no, no, you're you're the senior partner. It's fair enough. If one of us has to go. Yeah, well, quite, yeah. Because I, I played in a game, it was raining, it was in the indoor school at Lords, and I bowled some, I mean, rank uh, leg spin. And so I, but I did take a wicket that inevitably involved long on's involvement. And it was, Mal Malcolm was on our team and he came over and high-fived me and said, there you go, first wicket at Lords. I suppose technically, postcode-wise, I was still yeah. in Lords. <laughs> yeah. And that was an unbelievable... I, could, I sort of felt like the, my my hands sort of thrumming for the rest of the day, kind of thinking just in the knowledge that Devon Malcolm had high fived me after, after wicket. So is anyone is anyone bored properly at you then, Harry? Yes. Do you know what? Um, in one game, Craig White was bowling at me. This was Craig White about... could bowl could bowl in the nineties. His fa his fastest his fastball was was definitely in the nineties. Didn't he? Didn't he used to hold the record for the fastest ball bowled by an Englishman? I think. Really, he did at one point. Yeah, definitely. I think he did, yeah. Anyway, we I was playing a charity game. I must this must have been about fifteen years ago. And he also he'd said to me, he said, Oh, you know, mate, can you use my bat? Because you know, it needs a bit of playing in before the season. I thought, God, that's a bit of responsibility, you know. <laughs> um and he came in first ball and he bowled us to sort of medium pacer and it was quite full and I managed to hit it through the covers for for a boundary and I Bad move. And then he bad sort of, move. He just, a very bad move. He then just sort of looked at me and just sort of sh shook his head and then walked back to his run up, but just kept walking and just kept going. And then I, I called for a helmet. Yeah. And he came charging in and bowled a bouncer, which I just, 
just sort of managed to fend away. And it was, we were playing on a village cricket pitch. He bounced you. He bounced me and I bowled and managed to get, what? I know, I managed to get a glove on it and it went to six because it was a village ground and it was, it was a tiny, <laughs> tiny boundary. But that was a lot of fun that game. I actually, I actually got a, I got a hundred that day. So I did actually, oh my word. You, I did knock in his back quite nicely. So yeah, that was, that was fun. Uh, and also Darren Goff, Darren Goff bowled pretty quickly, actually, that, that, in that Ian Botham game. And he, because again, I think, you know, I'd played a couple of shots and he was like, oh, well, you, you know, you can play. And he, he was a bit too quick for me. You know, it looked like I was playing it really late and skillfully, but it was just purely because he was so fast. <laughs> and also once I went down to have some nets with some guys at Sussex, and I sort of walked out to the net in the middle and they were all going, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, you can tell by the way he walks, he can play. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and it was James Kirtley. And I mean, they were not holding back. Like, seriously, I was sweating away. And Mushtaq Ahmed was bowling and he was bowling. He was making me look just ridiculous. He was embarrassing me. Um, and James Kirtley, he had an amazing slow ball as well. And so, yeah, that was that was quite a challenge as well. God, this is serious. This is very serious stuff. And also in a net environment, that's even worse, isn't it? It's not like you've got, you, you know, like there's people drinking beer around the boundary thinking, oh, this is fun. And, you, you know, you've got some bit, yeah. of, bit of goodwill drifting in your direction. That's absolutely terrible. If you think of the people that Ahmed made look ridiculous, I don't know, the 1992 England World Cup finalists and what have you, terrifying. Yeah, he can add me to the list, <laughs> which, yeah, which wasn't particularly hard. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, but it's been, it's honestly, for me, it's been an absolute joy and, um, yeah, a, a complete honour to be able to, to share the field and, and get to know some of the, you know, the current England players and ex-England players. Yeah, it's been so much fun and, and all my friends are insanely jealous and, and the cricket WhatsApp group that I'm involved in are absolutely hammering me with questions and what was Root like and did what did Stokes do? Yeah. You know, it's all, all very <laughs> exciting. So, yeah. In fact, one of the most most fun things for me in the, the Strauss game was just keeping wicket, and I, I'd taken a couple behind the stumps, and I think, well, I assume Stokes obviously, obviously thought, well, he can he can obviously keep a little bit, and someone hit the ball to him on the boundary, and he absolutely fizzed one in, and I could just hear <laughs> the I could just hear the ball through the air, like, <laughs> and it was just sort of fading towards me slightly, and I I tried to look totally casual and like yeah, you know, managed to take it, and I. You know, popped it up to Swan, who was fielding it slip, and I was sort of playing it cool, and he just went, "How much did that hurt?" And I was like, <laughs> 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 "And I've, it's gone now." But within within about six hours, a little bruise just appeared on my left. Oh, hand. that's so much pride, though. I, mean, I had a thing on. on, on do you remember Cricket AM? Maybe I've said this on here before. C- Courtney Walsh. I've, I had to face Courtney Walsh, but batting left-handed, and I he hit me on the thigh so hard off. I'd say off like one and a half paces, not even with a, like a red leather ball, but with a kind of, you know, net ball, yeah. those hard net balls for swing, swinging. And it hurts so much. But I just oh. remember, I remember thinking as I sort of doubled over, maybe there'll be a bruise. Maybe there'll be a bruise. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm going to have a bruise from facing Courtney Walsh. And I was kind of really excited by that. Yeah, Courtney Walsh can again. He can add me to his tally. He he bowled me out. I was I was like I went on a tour with the Taverners, Lords Taverners, to Antigua and faced Courtney Walsh. That was fun. He bowled me. So yeah, no no surprise. Who'd have been in that side there? I played a few Taverners games, and there's people that are just someone like Gus Mackay. You think he is so strong, he just yeah. hits. You know, you don't you don't feel safe as a spectator. 
No, no, it's that it's that next level when you play these charity games. You know, I know it's so easy for them, but like watching, for example, Triscothic um, on Tuesday night, just effortlessly. I mean, we all had to you had to retire on twenty five, and I think he faced probably five balls and then was just casually strolling back to the pavilion. You know, um, it's it's just next it's next level. But it was funny because Joe Root came out to bat and he he I was wicket keeping as I said, and he just said quietly, he said, oh God, I'm just absolutely dreading this. He's like, I'm dreading this. Because for him, you know, he was, I was like, he said this is worse than batting in a test match. Because I think for the professional, with people watching on the boundary, they're like, oh, look, Joe Root's batting. And some corporate guy that's, you know, paid to play in the game comes and bowls a, you know, a dolly. And just thinking, <laughs> please, just please don't miss it. <laughs> I think, I wonder sometimes if that's why people sort of clown around in those games and think, oh, I'll bat left-handed or I'll bowl left-handed. But I can't, do an example of the thing that I'm definitely good at in case it goes wrong. Imagine imagine doing something in a game like that that unsettled you and then carrying that into a real game. I got I got bowled first ball in a net by Rob Elliott, the Newcastle goalkeeper. So I went in the bat right-handed and I thought, I'm just charging a long way back here. And then as he got close, I could have thought, he's actually going to bowl this. Like, as he got... And then <laughs> lovely ball, outswinger, chopped it on my stumps. And he didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, no. oh right, he's got me. <laughs> so I just walked walk out. I was like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> That's it. You uh, you can't win because if they if the pros smash it about, then they're all sort of taking the piss out of each other. And, you know, and it was funny because they're all sledging each other whilst they're batting. And But then if you get out, then obviously you, you're, you're going to get rinsed. So um, actually Cook was telling me, because uh, I sat on the table with him, and Triscothic, and um, I was trying to play it cool, but I managed to get a few get a few uh, insights into the, the current England setup. And, and Cook was telling me how recently he played in a you know in a club, in a village game, and a fifteen year old had bowled him out. And you know the trauma involved around that for him is it, it's clearly cut him deep. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, but it's, he was saying, he said, "Look, the thing is, I'd gone in at number eight. I said, look, I won't bat. You know, I'll go in later.' He was being, you know cool about it and he went in and he said we needed 24 and over and so I was obviously trying to trying to win the game and and just you know slogging it about and got bold or caught or whatever and then he said he went in um and sat down on the boundary and behind him without them knowing with the, the, the parents of the kid and they were just saying I can't believe he's bowled out England uh, England cricket captain Alistair Cook it's just amazing oh my god maybe he's got a future in the game <laughs> that's and what it's about that's what it's about it is but Cook, Cook he said he was just there just desperately wanted to turn around and be like I was slogging that's what happens in cricket yeah <laughs> but also I mean I didn't realise the run rate involved was 24 having having seen Alistair Cook uh, batting on a on a T20 finals day that's not who that's not that's not who you want coming in when the right you more, you more want your Mark Wood you're sort of person that's going to take on. Oh, that'd be right, Jesus! Two sixes in two balls, or whatever that was, Mark. You're one of your one of your many winter highlights. Was it two and two, two and three? Yeah, uh, you're six hitting, Mark. Don't pretend you don't know. No, I don't. Don't, don't say you've forgotten it. This is ridiculous. It was two, two in a row, but I don't remember. It wasn't three. It was. I was. I was asking if it was two and two balls or two and three balls. I know. I know it was only yeah, two, two, two sixes. Yeah, that, I mean, you're, you're our. Um, you're my hope for uh, England's answer to a number eight, Woody. Oh, I mean, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> but you look, you've been looking great out there. We've just been mentioning the pressure there. I've tried to do a little bit more work with Collie and stuff and trying to work on it, but I've gone from like first gear to fifth gear and I kind of get back down. I'd love to just be like a mellow <laughs> third. But like, I'm like, right, start with like a couple of leaves. All right, yeah, I've seen it well. Then I hit one out the middle. I'm like, right, I'm in. That's it, I'm in. Like, And then every ball, I think, I can hit this for four. 
Why don't you, if you get yourself to a mindset where you think, right, to score more than one boundary and over is is unnecessary, and it, it's 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 sort of arrogant, Mark. You're, that, you're not an arrogant person, so you should therefore think. If every time you hit a boundary, you think that's that's it for the over. My work is done now. I'll see it off. Yes, yes. And exactly. then you can just or have a little walk away to square leg, have a word with yourself, or think right. Who's a brilliant defensive English cricketer? I don't know. I, I mean, if I was to pluck someone an example from the ether, someone that has scored 185 <laughs> not out over 10 hours and 45 minutes in Johannesburg. Um, you know, just think someone like that. Just be more. Just be more athletes, Mark. But that that's the problem though, because I have this little guy on my shoulder. So in my mind I'm like, right, good, that's it, line it up, play straight, let it go. And then this other guy's like, get it for six, go on, you could be a hero. That boundary's not too big. Just go for it. Everyone will cheer. <laughs> and that guy normally wins. Have you got like a sort of a, like a little a little Joss Butler on your shoulder? <laughs> yes, I want to see in the next game you're playing, and I want to see you turning to your shoulder and having a chat with you with that little guy and and shutting him up. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> you need a you need a Chris Tavare on your other shoulder, essentially saying you could be here all day. No shame in being four night out at tea. Yeah. When when, uh, when Harry was mentioning um, Stokesy before, like with them pinging it in. There's been times down a test match where I've gone no stop because he used to feel a point and I'd be at mid on. And there'd be like a drop and run, and the guy's either going to get their miles in, or they've turned back and thought, no, there's no run. But he will still throw it as hard as he can. And there's been a couple of times in the test match, I thought, oh, I hope they haven't got that in stomach. And I went, no, please, Stoxy, no. <laughs> <laughs> there is, even if you play at the highest level, as you do, Mark, with someone like Stokes that has this sort of otherworldly. It's like one of one of the teams wearing the Iron Man suit, isn't it? There's that kind mm, of vibe, yeah. kind of thing. Or he's the only, he's the only one who can pick up the hammer, or what? But but we've got Disney Plus. My children watch a lot of these films. It's all <laughs> it's all seeped in, but not in the right order. I have but, two hammers upstairs in my son's room. I get it. <laughs> are they the, are they are they stolen from the set of the Marvel Universe? Well, not quite. But I yeah, I have an Avengers obsessed son, so I'm with you. I'm trying to get him into cricket, but we're not quite there. It, yet. it seeps in. I don't know what any of it means. I'm just slightly aware these references come out. You think I'm not. Even sure who's who's that one, but that you know because he has that sort of even at your level, and you're like, crikey, this guy's strong, or crikey, this guy's fast, or, or or whatever. Despite the fact that you're already playing at the highest level, he seems to be, you know, on on a level above that. Yeah, without a doubt, I'm just so happy that he's got a bit off now as captain, which means I'm not in the firing line as much. But yeah, but if you're at fine if you're at fine leg during a close run, you're going to be screaming no, Stokesy, no from the boundary mark, and that will that will get picked up. <laughs> he's definitely not going to hear that though, is he? He's definitely not going to hear that. Um, no, nah, he's got. He has got that sort of aura about him. I guess like he's, he's always had something about him. But that aura now, with everything that he's done and things that, um, I definitely think that even opposition probably feel that as well. That aura about him. So I would hope the opposition would be more scared of him than his own team. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, yeah. otherwise, the pen, otherwise the pendulum swung unhelpfully too far. He's he's yeah. He's certainly got that aura. You know, just being with him the other day, and there was a chariot, There was obviously the auction, and he was just bidding away every lot he was just going for it and it was something you know he only sort of ended up getting one of them but it was just something about his kind of you know confidence and but he's in no way arrogant he's a very well from what I you know the understanding I got from he's very laid back and, and a very cool you know character but what was he bidding for a meat platter or <laughs> but he actually he was actually the highest bidder for four McFly tickets in a backstage pass really get in there <laughs> yes but I think I think there was some influence from Claire, his wife. But I'm going to pretend that Stokes is a massive McFly fan. I don't see why he wouldn't be. I think that was sort of well. Fit, I, I, there's a few reasons, but no. 
your the name Fly obviously is from my my favourite trilogy of films. Who is the member of the group that it has the strongest love for Back to the Future? Uh, Tom. So yeah, Tom, who's who kind of he started the band, and uh, yeah, he was Back to the Future obsessed. And, it is a um, brilliant trilogy, and the third film is a lot better than some people say. It is amazing, yeah. And so, t- um, and Danny, who joined the band with Tom, so it's just the two of them to begin with. He'd never seen Back to the Future and, and wasn't so sure about the name McFly. Uh, so Tom played in the film. This is when they were about sixteen, and you know the bit where Biff crashes into the manure truck, yeah, and it tips up, you know, onto him. And on the side of the manure truck, it says D Jones Manure Manufacturers, and Danny's surname is Jones. Yeah, right. so D Jones, you know. So he paused. Yeah, they paused the film, and they're like, "It's meant to be. It's going to be." It's destiny. That, what, yeah. Which is your favourite of the trilogy? Um, I love westerns, so I do love the third one. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'd say, I mean, all of them are great. But yeah, Tom kind of got us all kind of hooked on them because I'd see them obviously as a teenager. But I think um, I think the, se- the second one I think is absolutely ama- amazing. Obviously, you have to have seen the first one, but it's so it's so yeah. clever when you get the two the two Marty McFlies at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. He's a man of my heart, yeah, Harry. Who? What's your favorite western? Very western. Well, my dad was a massive Clint Eastwood uh, fan, so I grew up watching Clint Eastwood. Do you know the outlaw, Josie Wells? I don't know that one, but I know, my favourite Western would be probably The Searchers with John Wayne. That would be my favourite. So my my granddad used to, I used to watch a lot of my granddad's house when I was a kid, Clint Eastwood, John Wayne films. Um, so I'm, I'm buzzing that you're into them. Yeah, well, my dad loves cricket as well, and so I, hence why I got into cricket. And um, yeah, music as well. He, I grew up listening to, you know, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, The Doors and all that, and that kind of got me into music. So... Yeah, I have a, I got a, a lot to thank for him. Um, and yeah, I mean, my one of my earliest memories was, was, to be honest, whining at him probably in, I think it was 1991, you'll remember, Miles, when Gooch got his 333 at Lords. It was 1990, yeah. 1990. 1990, there you go. So I'd have been five years old in the back of the car, winking away, uh, begging for some music, but Dad was listening to Test Match Special intently. Do you know who Gooch's opening partner was in that game, Woody? Michael Atherton. Yes, cock, you're really good at this, yes. Woody. You're really good at this. <laughs> and he got 100 in the second innings too, That's didn't right, 123, 124, something like this. And apparently he would, in between balls, walk away, look at his shoulder and then come back and then block the next ball just to keep it out. That's, a, that's probably what he's doing. That's right. Well, he's, he, yeah, he, he didn't have a fifth gear, would he? That's what he's got to do. <laughs> you basically, I don't know what the cricketing, you, you, need, you need your gearbox mangled, essentially. Yeah, I was going to say I've never been in. I've never been past third. So, I was getting I was getting uh, sledged by Strauss the other day for not being able to hit it in front of square. But that is absolutely not what you get involved in a game like that for. That's completely unfair. Yeah, all right, Captain. Three shots. Don't have a go at me. <laughs> <laughs> How did he bat, Strauss? He yeah, he was good. Yeah, looked looked good. Unsurprisingly, um, uh, wasn't obviously uh, you know maybe as big a hitter as as the likes of Triscothic and. Uh, who else is there? I mean, you know, we had some real technicians out there. We had Bell and and Root. There was one shot he played. He sort of clipped it through mid wicket, and yeah, the timing and placement was just immaculate. And yeah, it was a, a pleasure to watch. But I've got another another good player I played with was well, one of the most fun things I've done on the cricket pitch with a with a ex professional was keeping wickets at Andy Caddick because he just you know just beautiful away swingers just so lovely to keep to and they're almost um, I've, I've faced him and I've got, I am I, I can't really underline how rubbish I am but I just they were too 
if I was good, I'd have been out four or five times and over. Yes, exactly. You know, for me, there was no way I could get a bat on them. Yeah. It was ju- it, it was genuinely too good yeah. for me. So you're kept, you'd be kept in a charity game, keeping to him, you'd be kept extraordinarily busy. About games you've been at in the crowd for, what are the, what are the big ones? Well, the best one, um, I was fortunate enough to be at the World Cup final. Um, yes. Yes, Woody, yes. <laughs> and I was there with my, so I've got a very good school friend who I played cricket with at school and he now lives in Argentina and he'd come back for a couple of weeks to see family and he messaged me and said, oh, mate, I'm in, I'm in London for a couple of weeks year round. And I said, mate, I'm going to Lords tomorrow and I've got a spare ticket, you know? And so he came along and, you know, we're great friends. We don't see each other much. So there we were just sharing the most incredible moment. You know, I mean, I've never been through so many emotions in like one day I, I honestly I got home and opened the door to my wife and I nearly just started crying I was just so <laughs> I, just, I was like I can't explain to you what I just witnessed you know I was there and I in those days I wore a I had a, I had a Fitbit and when I got home the next day you know you could download the heart rate yeah and there's that really if you put the phone on its side you can actually yeah. see it really detailed during the day and you sort of match it out against the scorecard and there's this you're like this must be the super over look at that that is unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, it was just, yeah, it was just incredible. It really was. And then, you know, as I say, not long after, of course, was the, um, was Headingley. And I was, that day I was moving house and I was just lying down on the sofa, you know, amongst piles and piles of boxes. And because we hadn't had set the TV up and I was watching, you know, on my phone and my wife kind of came in and was like, you're right there. You're going to, you know, help out a little bit. And I was like, Oh, I was like, literally, this is going to be over in like half an hour. It's like, this is done with, you know, this game. And then cut to like an hour later, I'm in the kitchen, phone on this shelf. <laughs> I'm pacing up and down. <laughs> I'm literally shaking and I'm screaming at my phone, you know. And even my wife's sort of getting involved here. And and, and genuinely, I, it, it took me to tears, you know. It was just, you know, what a moment for for cricket, for English cricket, for a fan, for imagine you guys as players. It was just absolutely phenomenal. I, I was listening to you on the radio. There's a Ben Stokes documentary that you you partook of, part, took part in. That's the phrase. <laughs> you, were you at an NCT class or something, an antenatal class during heading? I was. I was learning how to put uh, nappies on dolls when uh, when he scored his greatest. The greatest in the world. <laughs> what a letdown! You know, the worst thing for me was I got a I got a Twitter notification pinged through saying, you know, an England have won just before I think it was uh, Cummings came into bowl. I was like, I mean, it was still obviously enjoyable, but it just ruined the moment. <laughs> I was somewhere in we were on a I think we were camping that weekend down in Somerset, and we'd gone to like a open air like like a sort of sculpture garden or something. And I just I watched all of it, and I, I didn't want. I, th- I think people that play have radios on in public places are uh, unacceptable. So I actually I bu- I watched the thing on ball by ball on the yeah on Crick Info, sitting on a sitting on a bench on my own, just waiting for like refreshing the commentary bit thing. It was yeah. it was and even even there it was just yeah it was exciting. I think it is time talking of the World Cup 2019 final. Um, Something we all have in common, whether as players or spectators. I, I don't see why we should make a distinction between the two roles. Um, uh, it's time for Woody Super over. Yes. Right, Harry, are you ready? We're going to read out probably, I've written about 10. We've got miles on the clock for a minute and a half. So, in the words of Ian Smith, or the barest of all margins, are you ready for the Super over? I'm ready. 
White spikes or coloured spikes? White spikes. Favourite TV owl? Favourite TV owl? What? What does that mean? I don't know. Uh, Hedwig. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the most random celebrity contact in your phone? Um, uh, bu- 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 Nick Knowles. First cricket bat? Uh, uh, GM Skipper. Favourite sandwich filling? Um, salmon and cream cheese. Turning pitch or green top? Turning pitch. Heaviest item you've ever dropped on your foot? Ooh, Brett Award. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever missed it, been mistaken for a famous person or another cricketer? Um, I've been mistaken for the Newcastle midfielder. What's his name? Can you, can you think? Newcastle midfielder. Come on, Woody, you should know. French player. Johan Kabay. That's the one. <laughs> Mike Gatton is coming for dinner. What are you going to cook him? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, you walk out the back. What are you going to ask the umpire for when taking guard? Middle, please, umpire. That was exactly 90 seconds. Yeah. That was exactly 90 seconds. That is fantastic. Yes. Wow, absolutely nailed well, it. Well, I, I, I used to ask for two just because, you know, it's a bit of an alpha move, isn't it? It's like you really know what you're doing, but I didn't really know why I was asking for two, so I just take middle now. That is... If there's some sort of beef with you in um, <laughs> Gatting, you, no, do, you will do you not cook what? for him. Is there some bad... Exp- no, I'm sorry. No. Beef? Is that a pun? Beef, yeah, quite. No, he... Um, He's really nice, um, Mike Gatting. He, you know, he was on that Lord's Taverners tour and he was so generous with his time because I used to badger him about the, the 94, 95 Ashes. And I'd, you know, because he got 100 in that series. Yeah, he scored, a, he scored a century. He scored a century in that series. He scored a century, yeah, he did. And, you know, maybe when he smacked his back down, he looked like yeah. he'd literally just be leaning on it, you know. <laughs> if it wasn't there, he'd just fall over. Um, and it really did look, at that point, he was kind of past his time, but he did, he managed, he scored a brilliant 100 and, and he was, yeah, very, very nice and so generous with his time and, and, yeah, didn't get bored of me asking all sorts of questions. Miles, my favourite answer has to be the heaviest item drop on your foot. That's really, that's very high end. <laughs> that's really classy. Mic drop, boom. Yeah, yeah. Brit drop. Brit drop. That's very, drop, that's boom. very high end. Smoked salmon and cream cheese. Excellent. Uh, of course, it, it makes its way into a lot of the a uh, lot of the contemporary meal deals. Of course, the smoked salmon and cream cheese. So it's you're well you're well catered for in Britain's train stations. It's a cricket tea classic, isn't it? Andy got a TV owl. That's probably the first one we've ever had where someone's actually answered that. Well, that really threw me. I just thought, is it the accent? I did. Did he say owl? What? You're, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, is Hedwig the one in Harry Potter? Is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. and that, I think that counts as TV owl because obviously that's re- repeated and um, ad nauseum. I say ad nauseum. I think it's delightful. It's repeated as someone with a tiny <laughs> roll in one of them. It's jolly helpful. What? What are there? Any other examples you've got for me, or you don't want to spoil it for potential listeners and future guests? It, it's a question that we've always had, and people have always gone, "What?" And we've never stopped to examine why we asked the question. We've just, <laughs> we've just, we just stuck with it. If I, if I was to go obscure, I would go boo boo off um, um, Clash of the Titans, nineteen eighty one. Wow. <laughs> Everyone else remembers Headingley. No, no, not Mark. Not Headingley 81. Clash <laughs> <laughs> of the Titans. Um, excellent. Ah, oh, Briss Award. 
goodness me, that is God, that's very high end. Nick Knowles as well. You'd have met him through cricket, I assume, or uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was um, God. I feel like I'm just yeah throwing name dropping away through this this episode. But um, I, I sat next to him at a Viv Richards um, a Viv Richards dinner. Very nice, first of all. Yeah, but yeah, very nice. We did. It was actually for Sport Relief. Um, 2005. I went out to India with Sport Relief and played at the Wankaday Stadium. Oh, Mumbai, um, yeah. I just, just can't say that quickly. I'm not quite sure how to say that. Um, Wang, Wang, I Mumbai. think it's Wankady. Wankady, is it right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I've watched a test there. That is a oh, that is a hot venue, I must say. But no, I've been very, very lucky. I mean, um, I just think uh, another one, because um, I went to school, uh, I used to play against Broad at school. Stuart Broad was at yeah. Oakham. And we used to play against him and um, we played against Cook as well. So that was quite fun a few years later seeing them. But it was quite a shock for me to, um, I remember I was in the in the band house. Again, I was about 18 years old and I turned on the telly and saw England under 19s cricket. And I saw this guy running up to bowl, Stuart Broad. And I thought, Stuart Broad, from that guy from Oakham? Because not only three years ago, he was a medium pace bowler that was like quite a good opening batsman. But he'd obviously just shot up and was suddenly six foot five and bowling absolute heat. And yeah, it was amazing to see what he's achieved. Um, and I must add, which which I think Cook finds particularly annoying because I reminded him about three times. Um, I've stopped telling the story now to him because I think he gets a bit annoyed. But we um, we got him out for a duck. So that was good in schoolboy cricket. He bounced back. That Wankady Stadium, that is the ground. This is a piece of ridiculously, almost pathetic trivia. The game, <laughs> the one game that Cook didn't play in his England career, which would be his third test, he was ill and couldn't play in the, at the Wankady Stadium on that 2006. That's the one. So you've played at a ground that he probably may never have may never have played at. I'll take that. Well, I was thinking when when obviously he got a duck against Harry. Did he need 24 and over, or did he have everyone on the lane? Like what was the <laughs> no, he was opening up. He got a he got one of those sort of you know awful like niggling deliveries down leg side and just got a faint edge to the wicketkeeper strangle. But I mean, he, yeah, a strangle. He was um, he was famous on the scene. You know, it was like oh, this guy Cook from Bedford's just scoring double hundreds for fun. So we were we he was famous. You know, even at schoolboy cricket, we all knew oh this this is this guy Cook. So we were just. Absolutely, but he'd have been making his England debut within you know, like a year or two of that. Within uh, yeah, two years I think. Within two years, two thousand six. He um... yeah, exactly. Two thousand six. Two or three years later, he was making his debut, which of course he got a hundred in. You guys tightened up his game. <laughs> we did. You are we, you are we... you are part of the story, and if he has the arrogance to forget that, <laughs> <laughs> we did. We highlighted. I think, the I think someone ought to be sending their knighthood back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to tell you guys that I have a uh, 90s cricket bat collection. Oh, wow, wow, wow. I own um, 40 cricket bats um, that are all from the... Ni- well, most of them are from the 90s. About 36 of them are from the 90s. So what, you got like a Fernley 405, Gooch 333? Yeah, no, that's one That's that's one of the rarest that I've never come across one of those. But I've got, you know, the SS Turbo. I've got the Ridgeback. Great, the, great nickel scoop. The... I've got all the grey nickels, Scoop, Ultimate, Power Spot, Kookaburra Bubble, Dyna Drive, Elite, Kookaburra Bubble, grey nickels, Cannon, the Diamonds, the few Skipper, Hunts, Hunts the, County, some of them? Uh, I've got one Hunts County. I've got even the PS. Do you remember the PS? Oh, yeah, yeah. And have you got uh, so some storage yeah. ones? Uh, Kipax? I haven't got a Kipax, no. That's one on the list. But, I mean, I've, I'm very proud. I got grey nickels. Uh, I went down there and they... Um, 
they took a did a photo shoot with me with all my uh, Grey Nichols cricket bats. So yeah, it was great. <laughs> Gatting was a gun and more, wasn't he? Yeah, there was the maestro Gatting used the maestro. This is just yeah. me- this um, this this is music. This this is music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the the, the gun and more the skipper was my first bat, which was the kind of white, yeah. you know, slightly cheap one. But then the, the pro ones were the the maestro, the cannon, and the diamond. Um, and then into the noughties, it was the purist and the canon, you know. But that's not my era. That's that's Triscothic and Vaughan. We're talking early days, Ramprakash. Ramprakash yeah. used the Gun and Moore early days. And, and, of course, Gatting and Steve Waugh used the Gun and Moore. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And also, oh, yeah, the, I've got the V500, the 600, the 100 and the 800. Slazenger bets, are they? Slazengers, yeah, yeah. I drove about two and a half hours to pick up a Dyna drive off... Um, some lady up north. <laughs> Are you just sort of on eBay auctions all the time, old cricket bat? It's stuff? pretty much, yeah. It's pretty much, it's all eBay, yeah. So I'm there. I I, I actually bid 501 for the Brian Lara 501 bat. <laughs> and that won me the bid. <laughs> I think that's my favourite bat, the, the purple 501. Is your, do you spend um, roughly on bats what Elton John spends on flowers? Yeah, no, not quite. 501's my limit. I'm not that um, averse kind of, you know... Um, wealthy pop star i think that's my main my main kind of extravagant collection i'm not really into cars or anything like that but yeah 90s cricket bats is is where it's at for me but i mean you know 40 40 of them so where do you keep them just in a room or do you have them like up the banister like uh cook has these stumps up the banister does he take his master yeah i found these these kind of oak shelves off etsy that are kind of almost look like they're custom made for cricket bats so next to my drum kit i've got um just all these uh cricket bats lined up on the shelf and i've managed i put some like led strips at the bottom so yeah it looks great but what you should do this is such a nerdy mark remark i should probably retire but basically when you're when you're like see the team list if you're going and playing in a celebrity game and there's like 90s cricket in there and you think right well i could go and get someone that used that bat to sign it or whatever yeah like you think oh i'm gonna meet nick knight i'll go and get one of those hunts county bats and get him but that is a little bit nerdy a little bit but but yeah yeah not like, not like saying oh Clash of the Titans eighty one yeah that's I know that's oh yeah I know that's the sort of thing that hip hop artists talk about Mark but um, but yeah. do you know what in, in the in the Strauss game I someone came on a bowl of full toss which I, I hit I hit for a six over cow towards the marquee and Joe Root said to me you know if you he said Harry if you hit that marquee I'll give you my bat from the uh, that I got a hundred with at the Test match this week. And I thought, oh my god, that'd be incredible! But there is no way in hell I'm giving my giving away my wicket. It felt like a it felt like a mind it felt like a mind the windows Tino moment, and I was like, no, not, I'm not giving up my wicket. That's very good. But, well, yeah. good for having the bottle to stand up to that. Uh, very, very nice indeed to talk to you, Harry. Thank you for giving us the time. Uh, good luck with everything. I hope I hope you're showered with many more awards to drop on your feet and and then uh, uh, reference in cricketing podcasts. Uh, but thank you very much indeed for speaking to us today. Thank you so much for having me, guys, and, and enjoying the podcast uh, as always. So thanks for having me. Thank you very much indeed for listening to this episode of Middle Please Umpire. Uh, thanks to our guest, Harry Judd. Uh, uh, it's goodbye from me, Miles Chap. Bless this show, la la la. Oh, should be taken and is taken. Brilliant from Mark Wood. What a spell this has been.
Every day, William Hill has advanced odds on cricket matches. That includes flash odds ahead of the big games, plus hashtag your odds and much more. Stake limit supply. Odds may fluctuate. Visit WilliamHill.com 18 plus. Please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Sports Social Podcast Network.